0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection, go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com.
2: This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive
3: look at the Oakland Athletics.
4: And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head. And over the wall. Do you believe that?
5: And 29 other MLB clubs.
4: Ramirez with a drive
0: to deep right. Away, back, gone. Go, hey. It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy,
4: oh, boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judge in blast.
1: All rise,
4: here comes the
6: judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors, to spin rates, to game-changing moments, we have you covered.
2: Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
1: Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to A's Cast Live from the Treehouse, our first time In the treehouse this season, of course, come up and see us. Happy hour. Two of the greatest words in America, in American history. Happy hour. We got deals. I mean, all kinds of deals. Come up and see us here in the treehouse. We got a special edition for you. A lot of people coming on the show today. Our A's historian has just popped into my right, the great David Feldman from, we call him from NBC Sports, Pac-12 Network. Where else? ESPN. ESPN. I mean, he's, he's our ace historian as we are celebrating the 1973 Oakland Athletics who took down the New York Mets, who were in town for three, which was uh, a long time ago, 50 years ago. That's a long time Where were you in 1973? That was uh, 15 and a half years per- prior to when I was being born. I was one years old. I'll never forget it. I, I remember I was one years old. <laughs> I was watching the television, and I was watching it, and I said to my father at one years old, how the hell is Willie Mays still in the lineup at 42 or 43 years old? I'll never forget that when I was one years old. How is this team, a 500 team, in the World Series? Dad, how is Yogi Berra managing this team?
3: I remember that at age one. Uh, old Man Willie, as they called him back then, who was on that team. Rusty Staub was on old that team. Old Man
1: Willie would be a great cornerback for the Raiders, but, yes, I guess you could say that also. <laughs> uh,
3: old Man Willie. Was, um, wasn't Willie. Great Willie Brown. Wasn't Willie on in the uh, on-deck oh, circle? I did circle. a few shows with, by the way, the great Willie Brown. Wasn't Willie on the on-deck circle when Ray tagged out Bud Harrelson? See, that's see why I know we, my
1: history. That's why we have our A's historian. Once again, at one years old, I was not keeping score for the 1973 <laughs> World Series. I was not a big Rusty Staub fan.
3: Uh, Howie Rose is here, the voice of the Mets, and he still to this day thinks that uh, argued Roderick Harrelson with was in. Argued with uh,
1: Tug McGraw was on that team. Yeah, I'm more of a Tug McGraw. I remember Tug McGraw a Philly uh, we don't really remember Tug McGraw much as a they, Met.
3: They had some pitcher that was pretty good that year too. I don't remember his name. Tom something from Fresno. Yeah, Tom something. The USC Trojan. So we'll talk about that with David
1: Feldman coming up here at four ten. The general manager, David Force, will be here at four thirty. We have a uh, TBD to be uh, determined. Determined uh ace player. We have an ace player that's going to show up. Yeah, we'll we'll see who it is. I'm hoping, and he's very very good. I'm hoping we're getting Brownie today, Seth Brown. I mean, he's got time. Great interview. And you know what? We normally wouldn't get him if he wasn't hurt.
3: Yeah, for sure. We'd get him on the field, but we'd never get him up here. Yeah, no. Um, And we're going to shoot for Brent Rooker next week with the hot start he's had. Uh, Brent Rooker,
1: last three games, hitting 500, three home runs, nine RBIs. Uh, Doing pretty good, a little start for him. And remember, he got off to a bad start, but everything he hit was hard. Yeah. So he may be the one guy where the expected batting average.
3: Sorry, we're, going, we're going reverse Pache.
1: Yeah, yeah. Expecting batting average actually end up playing out, out as Brent Rooker has been red hot. And then Mark Kotze will be here at 5 o'clock. We taped that early this morning. Yeah. Well, and nine, when I mean early, I mean early. 9.15. Whew. Got out of bed, put on some A's gear, and let's get ready to ride. I didn't have the link Soul. Remember, check out our clothing sponsor, link Soul. Go to Link Soul. Dot com. I mean, look, you can get the sweater, you can get the shirt, perfect for going out to dinner, happy hour like this for a ball game, of course, playing golf, going to the beach. They've got everything you need, whether you're talking polos, sweatshirts, hoodies, pants, shorts, T-shirts, the stuff, the real casual wear for the, like, beach wear, awesome. Go to linksoul.com. So we'll have Mark Kotze at 5 o'clock. Mark Canna, one of our all-time favorites. Yes, Former A. Mark Hanna is here with the New York Mets, and we had Mark Hanna on from the field just probably about an hour ago as we'll talk to him about his time here with the athletics, a new cooking book that's going to be coming out. Well, he said it's not a book. It's, it's, Whatever it's it is. It's some type of writing.
3: Yeah. it'll be in some, It's going to be a book. Yeah. What else it's, would it it's be? It's a book about food. Would he it put it, out a pamphlet? Yeah, he said it's not a cookbook. I heard him tell you that whenever.
1: But we will have him on to sell it when, he, when uh, he's ready to go. <laughs> But, yeah, our old friend Mark Cannon, it's great to see him doing well and to go to New York, and we'll talk about the expectations two years in a row. There's big expectations. What, they're game over five hundred. Obviously, it's early, as you like to say. But there's huge expectations for the New York Mets as they have the highest payroll in baseball, and a lot of people are expecting them. Not the Phillies, not the Braves. People want to think it's going to be the Mets.
3: Phillies, That's a really tough division. Phillies mm-hmm. are panicking so much that Bryce Harper wants to play first base. That's how bad it is in Philly right now. Well, as they said in Moneyball, it's easy to play first base. Tell Wash it's incredibly hard. Although Hembo disagrees and said it's easy to play first base. Okay, you tell Hembo. I want
1: to tell you something about <laughs> middle infielders. <laughs> middle infielders are the most arrogant defenders there are in baseball because they're very gifted. It is very hard. You have to be very – in the non-shifting world and when you grow up, why do all the best athletes, when you grow up, Play shortstop. You ask any of these guys playing in the big leagues, where did you play in Little League? Shortstop. Where did you play in pony? League? Shortstop. They would pitch and play shortstop. That's what they did. The best athletes in baseball, when you're young, all play shortstop. So when you're a middle infielder, as our friend Paul Himbakitis from ESPN. He was a lower-level college middle infielder. D
3: three, I think was what it was. Yeah, but I'll middle the middle,
1: middle infielders—they, it, it's incredibly hard to play the middle infield. It is. You got to be gifted. Got to have great feet. Got to have rhythm and timing. So they think everything else is easy. They look over at you at first base like, oh yeah, you put your foot on the bag and catch it. How tough can it be? I, I'm diving around. I'm going up the middle. I'm going backhand with my glove. I got to do all this at shortstop, and all you got to do is on first base and go. No, it's incredibly hard to play first base. The footwork, you can't stretch too early. A lot of people don't get – when you play first base, if you stretch too early and the ball is not right at you, which we're, whenever you're an infielder, you are taught to always expect a bad throw, especially like on the double play, actually playing up the middle. But as a first baseman, that's what made a guy like Matt Olson so special, and that's why you like seeing Ryan to there. You want a big target, a guy with long arms, a wingspan, right? But if you stretch too early, and I throw it way to the left or way to the right, you can't get to it. That's why you have to be able to not stretch too early so when the ball you see that's going far right, you can step with your left and then go far right and get it. But if you stretch too early, you got no shot. So it's actually – and then as we saw, what, two games ago with the Diaz bunt for a base hit and that Bermuda triangle between the pitcher – the first baseman, the second baseman, that's what we call PFP, pitcher's fielding practice. You've got to be able to work that area on the short game. And you got to be able to, as a good first baseman, can make the throws for a double, play at second, or get the guy going to third. Yeah. First bases, if you think that's just something, put a glove on the guy and go. And that's any position in baseball. But if you think first base here, just put a glove there, like when they said, Johnny Bench, just go to third. Had that work out, A's historian, not so good. Well, so, it's, like,
3: it's like with uh, the Red Sox, wanted to make, remember when they wanted to make Schwarber a first baseman, and he was um, below average, to be polite about it. but The only uh, thing you can put Schwarber at is
1: either selling hot dogs in the stands or hitting home runs. Other than that, I don't know what
3: good he is for you. Well, they, have, they have a couple guys like that on the Phillies. Castellanos is another one.
1: But if you can uh, roll the pole, as they say, yeah. y- you got value. But, yeah, just saying that. You're going to put a guy at first base. It's, I mean, it's like last year with the A's. Like I don't want to mention it, but Jordan Diaz never played second base ever in his career, ever, ever, and we just put him out there at second base. Now, when you're losing 102 games and you use 64 players, stuff like that can happen. But uh, yeah, just putting some guy out there at first place not that easy. All right, so we got David Force at 4:30. We have a player going to be here sometime. Mark Kotze at 5, Mark Can at 5.30. Are we ready to go? Are we ready to rock?
5: Scott? That's right. It's not that hard, Scott. Tell him, Wash. It's incredibly
1: hard. It's incredibly hard. The great David Feldman, our A's historian, ESPN, Pac-12 Network, and most importantly for NBC Sports, and an official score in Major League Baseball. Remember, we did those classes on how to teach you how to keep score, are we going to be doing that again
0: this year? There was some talk about it. I'm not sure uh, where it stands at the moment. Because I got to tell you, very helpful. And lately,
1: the other day, there was the one – there was a lot of plays in the Baltimore series. (laughs) What was the play? Rooker drops it. They gave it a sack fly. They called it an out, sack fly out on the computer. I'm like, he's not out. He's
0: not out. It's a sacrifice fly because the batter did his job. He got the ball deep enough in the outfield to score the run. So he gets credit for the sacrifice fly. But it's an E9 that allowed him to reach first base.
1: Okay. So I was like, do I put fielder's choice and the E9 as the runner scoring?
0: No, the E9 was the batter reaching first base. Okay.
1: See, I did it wrong.
0: You did it wrong. The scoring gods are going to come down on you now.
1: My scoring. Zone. I'm going to be honest with you. I need your class. I'm not very good at. it. I just do it my own way. I do it from a standpoint of when I have to. When someone calls me after the game, or if I have to run over highlights, I know how to talk my way through well, it.
0: And that's the whole point. And we've talked about this before too. The way you keep score is the way that makes the most sense to you, so you can go back and look at the game, look at the game you scored, and know what happened. It doesn't have to be correct as far as you know, Major League Baseball or this or that. It's what works for you, so you can look back and go, Hey, in that inning. Rooker dropped a fly ball, run yeah. scored. That was bad. He, he's got to catch that ball. Whether it's a sacrifice, fly, field, it doesn't matter. The point was that he dropped a fly ball, allowing a battle to reach base.
1: So if you're like me, we don't have to worry about it. Our scorebook is not going to the Baseball Hall of Fame. We're not going to get the uh, uh, the, sticker, right. <laughs> the sticker, authentic sticker that they put. it. So we're, we're, we're going to be okay. All right, 1973, the A's, they have moved west. The young players have grown up. They upset the big red machine in nineteen seventy two. They're back at it against a team that really, you know, that not an impressive nineteen seventy three New York Mets team.
0: No, it was a bad National League yeast. It was a Mets team that had to go nine and two over the last eleven games to overcome a four and a half game deficit to get to what, eighty two wins. And that's all eighty two wins. Eighty two and seventy nine. They didn't have to play their last makeup game. But 73 is kind of the middle child of the three A's championships, right? It's not as,
1: as loved.
0: Not as loved <laughs> as that first one. This, you know, sweet no offense to all the middle children out there. <laughs> uh, and then the last one, which was probably the best of the three teams. But 73 was, was different in its own right because you're the defending champions. For the first time, you're the defending champions. So everybody's gunning for you. But even before the season starts, the A's make some changes. And, and the biggest change was trading for Billy North, right? The A's had gotten rid of George Hendrick. Uh, for Ray Fossey. But they needed a center fielder. So they go out and they get Billy North from the Cubs. And Billy North was the type of guy that this club needed. He said, what are the defending champions, what do they need? They needed somebody grit, take no prisoners, kind of a son of bitch, son of the bitch on the field. I mean Hard nose, baby. They needed that. And then they were gonna pair him up with Burt Campanaris, Two speedsters. All right, this is when the stolen base, as we're seeing now, come back into the game. This was prevalent in the 70s. Stolen bases were still a big thing. Now you put two of the top steel threats back-to-back in your lineup. And that was a big part of this team is how do you hit them? Do you hit North first or do you hit Campanaris first? Which way do you go? They experimented with it. They had at one point they had Campanaris 1 and North 9. And then they end up going Campanaris 1, North 2. It's okay. The A's are struggling midway through the season. There are 500 teams and they're battling with the Kansas City Royals for the AL West. And it really wasn't until mid-August when they caught fire, and that's when they moved north to the one spot, Campaneris to the two spot, and they took off. And they won 12 out of 13. Uh, One of the games was at Yankee Stadium. I was there. Little five-year-old Davey was in the stands at old Yankee Stadium. It was the first time I saw the A's win in person. They were trailing by six runs in the seventh inning, came back, won the game. First time I ever saw them win in person.
1: What were you doing in New York? I mean, were you, <laughs> were you nightlife in Manhattan? Was it, you, Were you on Broadway? What were you doing there at five years old? Yeah,
0: five-year-old David was having a hell of a time because I almost got lost on the subway, according to my parents, that the subway doors open. And everybody came in and out, and my mom had no idea where I was. <laughs> and all of a sudden, she looks over, and I'm just, I just took a seat. I had a good seat. Next thing you know, you could
1: have grown up in Queens. I Who would have. have known? Where did you go?
0: But Yeah, it was a family. My, my grandparents at the time lived in Philadelphia. So we'd gone to Philadelphia to see them. The A's are in New York. Let's take a day awesome. trip to New York on a Sunday to see the A's play. It was unbelievable. And that, that was part of this streak of winning 12 out of 13. And it really propelled the A's and it reminded the A's of what they really were. They're the world champs, the defending world champions. Tough year. Dick Williams and Charlie Finley did not get it. This along. is it, by the way. This is Dick Williams is done. He's done. He he's can't had it. He can handle it. And you look at the way guys were coming and going on this team, right? Here's Champ Summers one week, and now he's gone. Now we're going to trade for Vic Davileo. We're going to trade for Pat Bork. We're just moving guys in and out. But what remained the same was the core, right? Ray behind the place. Gene Tennis at first. Dick Green at second. Campy at short. Bando at third. Rudy and left. This is center field, Billy North, and Reggie in right. And your guy, Darren Johnson, as the DH. The guy who doesn't get a lot of pub in A's history, Darren Johnson had a fabulous 73 season. He's
1: gotten a lot of love on A's Cast Live when we had him on.
0: Yeah, he, you know, this guy drove in 80 runs as the, really the A's first full-time DH. And Reggie is healthy. Reggie was healthy. He was the MVP. Who wasn't healthy? Joe Rudy. Joe Rudy only played 120 games that year. And coming down the stretch, he wasn't on the field a lot. So the A's were mixing and matching. How does this pay off? Billy North sprains his ankle with about two weeks to go in the season. Billy North is out for the postseason. But the A's have now had some practice mixing and matching outfielders. And this helped come the postseason where all of a sudden when they face a left-hander, Reggie's playing center field, Jesus will lose in right. When they face a right-hander, Vic Davalio's in center, Reggie's in right. Angel Manguel was in there a little bit as well. But they got used to moving and, max and mixing and matching their outfielders. So you hate to say that an injury helped the team, but having Rudy out and North out, they got used to having to, to make those adjustments with the outfield. You know, it's so – whenever
1: I hear Reggie Jackson in center field, we forget Reggie was a terrific football player, Arizona State, great athlete. But for someone like myself, Reggie was the DH, maybe right field, older guy. You never think of Reggie as the great athlete. Reggie was a great athlete.
0: Unbelievable athlete. And when you watch him run, especially in that 73 and the first part of 74 before he blew out his hamstring, he was as fast as any player in the game. And his skill in the outfield, it translated from right to center. You you watch the World Series highlight film. He's making this unbelievable diving catch in center field, coming up with it. Big old smile on his face because that's Reggie. Loves the bright lights. Uh, tremendous athlete who could adjust to really playing any position. And isn't this the start of Mr. October? This is it. This is 73. He becomes the MVP of the World Series. Not just the league, but he's the World Series MVP. And you go back and you look at the postseason. The A's had to play the Orioles in the LCS, five-game series at the time. Burke Campanaris has an unbelievable LCS. In game two, he leads off the game with a home run. In game three, he hits a walk-off home run. Back-to-back game, one leadoff. One walk off. Never been done. The walk off happens in the 11th inning of a game that Ken Holtzman pitches all 11 innings. I mean, what? I can't even get a guy to go five. It's hard to get a guy. He's going 11. So the A's are up 2 1 in the season. You mean mean it wasn't five and dive? It was not five and dive for (laughs) Ken Holtzman. It was 11 innings done in about two and a half hours. He,
1: by the way, I don't remember what year it was. Remember when we I think we had them all on this low. We're in Mount Davis, basically. In the East Side Club, that we we changed this bar into the Treehouse. I think it was way back. I don't remember what the celebration. One time I got Ken Holtzman. One time, phenomenal, awesome, phenomenal. Like like. This is a guy you could sit and just talk. I mean, he is just like an encyclopedia. Yeah. He's entertaining. He's engaging. I wish, w- and and you think of all the big game pitchers of that era, he never gets talked about. No. He should be talked about because go to Baseball Reference and look what he did in the postseason. I, if there was like a former A, I wish was around a lot more. He'd definitely be up yeah, there.
0: Great storyteller, and yeah, he was the Game One starter in all three World Series. Right, That's and amazing. part of this it happened to do with you know the LCS going five. Because in game four, the A's are up 4 nothing. Vida's cruising. Gets to the seventh inning. Gets in a little trouble. A couple men on base. Runs already in. He's got Andy Echebaran up, a light hitting catcher. And Ray catching fastball. Fastball. You're just going to blow him away with a fastball. And Vida Blue shakes him off. Don't shake off Ray Fossey. For curveball that Andy Echebaran hits, you know, 30 rows back in the bleachers. Ray, till, till he passed on, never forgave Vita for shaking him <laughs> off. Never. I mean, he would bring it up constantly. And then Raleigh came in, Bobby Gritch hit a home run off of him, and the A's have to go to a game five. Luckily, you have Jim Cappish-Hunter for game five, and he throws a five-hit shutout, and things are looking pretty good. But that led you into the World Series, where Ken Holtzman now is pitching game one. You had, you had to deal with Jim Palmer in the ALCS. World Series, as you guys just mentioned, Tom Seaver. Heard of him. But luckily, Reds had the same issue. They went five games in the a- LCS against the, the Mets, went against the Reds in five games. You got Kuzman. You got, they got so now you have John Matlack and Jerry Kuzman, two left-handers, which actually kind of fell into the A's favor. The A's are up two games to one when they go back to New York, but they lose games four and five, so they're coming back to Oakland. Charlie Finley gets involved again. You're down three games to two, coming back to Oakland. You haven't hit a home run yet. The A's had not hit a home run in the series. And Charlie says, you know what we're doing? We're taking Ray. We're putting him on the bench. We're taking Gene Tennis from first. He's going to catch. And your man, Darren Johnson, is going to play first base. He's going to change the lineup up. And it works. I mean, to Dick Williams' chagrin, it works. They win game six. Game seven, they finally hit home runs. Campy hits a two-run homer. Reggie hits a two-run homer. The A's win the game. Uh, Did the lineup change have something to do with it? Charlie Finley would tell you it did. Wasn't this series where they brought Charlie the mule on the, on the tra- trip? <laughs> this was the Mike Andrews series in game two. Mike Andrews makes two errors in extra innings. They're trying get, to get rid of They're him. They're trying to get him off the roster yeah. so they can get Manny Trio onto the roster. Uh, and the A's are going to strike. They're not going to play unless Mike Andrews is reinstated to the team. Because re- Finley had some doctor forged a note saying Mike Andrews wasn't physically <laughs> able to play. So the A's are actually at practice. They're wearing Mike Andrews' 17 on an armband. Yeah. Uh, they saying we're not going to play. So it turns out Charlie relents. He's going to play. Mike Andrews pinch hits in New York and gets a standing ovation from the Shea Stadium crowd. A standing ovation for Mike Andrews. And even Charlie, because he had nothing else to do at that point, stands up and starts cheering. How did they get the mule to New York? Probably the mule treated a lot better than the players if you <laughs> listen to the players. I
1: mean, it's just, you can't make this stuff up <laughs> in A's history. Ray Fossey, guy we always got to bring up our beloved Ray Fossey, would always tell us when he showed up to spring training, it was Dick Green who told him we'll win the World Series. And here's Ray coming from Cleveland that the only time Cleveland was ever in it was game one and of the season, <laughs> and after that, uh, they would stink every year, and they knew they were going to stink. So Ray was like, wow, these guys really have the bravado that they – and this was just year two, this is not even year three, it went in the three straight.
0: Yeah, it was just that confidence, and it was that – all the the main guys coming up together, learning how to play, winning all those games in 71, even though they lost in the playoffs to Baltimore, but going through it in 72, winning the series in seven games – I don't think they had any doubt they were the best team. You had three 20-game winners in your starting rotation in Hunter Holtzman and Blue, right? Your four starter, sometimes it was Blue Mumotum. Dave Hamilton took some turns. Raleigh Fingers even took two turns as a starter. Uh, but because you had those three guys who could go every fourth day, three 20-game winners, and then a bullpen with Daryl Knowles and Raleigh Fingers that could just, just crush teams late in games. Because Raleigh's pitching two, three innings at a time.
1: Well, and, and, you know, the Mets are one of those teams kind of like the Phillies last year, like what we've seen over the years with different wild card teams. Get in, get hot, get hot. and you got a chance.
0: That was it. You got hot. You mentioned Rusty Staub. Rusty Staub got hurt. Right? He hurt his shoulder, so he couldn't throw.
1: I, I was, when I was one years old, that really – I, I knew that was going to be a problem. But, I mean, he was the how type of guy – How was Willie Mays – well, how well, old was Willie, Willie Mays?
0: Willie was, what, 42 or 43 at that point? And
1: I, I just know this because during COVID, we started going over this stuff, and we had those great shows with Ray Fossey, Ken Korak, and myself. And I remember going to the lineup going, how was Willie Mays hitting third?
0: Yeah. Game one, he was hitting third. <laughs> you know, watching that game again, there's one play that just sticks out to me is Willie takes like a full swing – on a check swing. So he's trying to hold up, but he goes all the way around. The umpire calls it a ball. Ray does not appeal to the umpire. It's Willie Mays. If Willie Mays says he doesn't swing. It's Willie Mays didn't swing. Uh,
1: and and the great Yogi Bear. I mean, the, the, there was a lot of star power Hall of Famers in this game.
0: It, there was. You know, having Seaver, Hunter, Reggie, um, you know, the great Tug McGraw, not a Hall of Famer, but just a great baseball player. Vallejo's Zone Tug McGraw. Um, pretty famous son, I believe, country singer. He's pretty yeah. good. Um, he's made a little money. Spent a little money. Uh, and they're the Mets, right? They'd won in 69. So this wasn't that far apart. You know, this is four years later. They're back in the World Series with Yogi Berra, one of the greatest winners of all time. And, you know, when I was watching the game, again, now at this point I turned six years old, so I'm six. I'm a lot older, a lot more mature. Yeah. The A's win game one, and they kind of celebrate going off the mound. And I'm like, ah, that's so good. Game two, after the Mets win and they celebrate, I got so mad that they were celebrating on our field. I'm like, how can they – they're, like, dancing on our field. My mom's, like, trying to calm me down. I got so (laughs) upset that they were happy that they beat the A's. All
1: right, quickly, one historical note going on right now with the Rays. Um, In 1884, we don't question what the schedule was for the Maroons at the time. Um, Everybody's trying to say, look who they play – to me it doesn't matter. What they're doing right now is is unbelievable.
0: And the Maroons were in a terrible league. They were in this United Baseball League. They went 20-0. I think their final record was like 94-14 and or something crazy for the year. I don't think we should be comparing anybody to the St. Louis Maroons. What the Rays are doing stands on its own. Not the fact that they've won 13 in a row, but they've trailed for all of, what now, 8 innings I think, 8 or 9 innings total during this time. That's that's amazing. They're doing it with power. They're doing it with pitching. You play who you play, and they're just dominating teams so far. Will it come back? Will they come back to earth? Well, I always think about the Detroit Tigers in 84 going 35-5 and five, and then just you know running the table the rest of the way. And Sparky Anderson, the manager, he said that was the hardest year he ever had because the only thing they could do was blow it.
1: <laughs> well, I keep saying this. Everything we do is a game of math. Everything I look at is some type of math equation. Uh, well, I, it, it's a race to 100 wins. What, they need what, 87 games to win 100 now? Yeah. I mean, so it's like everybody else has got a long way to go. They're, they're just keep knocking them off. They're getting that closer to 100 wins. 100 wins get you in, and maybe 100 whatever gets you home field advantage.
0: I, I just think it's so impressive the, the, the length this organization, the Tampa Bay Rays, has had now. Uh, very similar to the situation the A's find themselves in. Uh, economically, stadium wise and they've done a tremendous job keeping the pipeline going You know, keep bringing in players, making some trades that you might not think make sense and they end up making sense on the back end Um, what excites me about this the A's, I know this season's not gone off to a great start but what we saw in the spring training about some of the young players who are a year away those are the type of guys who are impact players that are going to turn this organization back to what the Rays are doing the A's are going to get back to that pretty quickly I believe do we have the general? Oh, it's David. We got David Squared. Back-to-back Davids. David Force
1: is joining us next. Thank you very much, sir. We Thank appreciate you. it. Enjoy it. I know that all these teams were a big part of your youth. Enjoy this. Thank I, you. We're gonna this have is Chris Towns, and there are two Whoa. things. Every single time we get a chance to talk to either Reggie or Raleigh or Rudy or whoever we talk to, we know it's a treat because you're talking to baseball royalty.
0: Well, and I appreciate the chance to talk about this, too, because without Ray being here, and Ray really was the, the story keeper, and he kept a lot of these stories alive, and I like to think that by telling his stories and talking more about it, I can help keep the, the memory alive about those teams, so I appreciate the uh, opportunity. Beautiful.
1: Coming up next, David Force, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, right here on A's Cast Live.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
1: Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com.
5: Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
1: It's happy hour here in the Treehouse. It's time for the general manager show. David Force is with us. So we got $10 on $10 beers. I'm in. $14 specialty cocktails. i in. I'll put the
2: credit card down. <laughs> what do you want? Let's get through the interview first, and then we can start it's, drinking.
1: It, it's a, it, it is on me. How are you doing?
2: I'm great. How are you?
1: I, I'm doing well. And just talk with David Feldman, and I always think it's interesting from your guys' perspective when we bring back the greatness of whether it's 72, 73, 74, mm-hmm. guys from the late 80s. Just what does that mean for your, for you? And you want your players? to say, hey, this is what this franchise has yeah. done.
2: Yeah, it, the the history is so important. And first of all, David Feldman, no one knows the history better than he has. He he knows more baseball than you know everybody who's in this ballpark combined.
1: You weren't even alive in seventy no, three, right? I, sure I was wasn't. one. <laughs> I was joking around, but I'm like, yeah, I didn't. know those, no, and David,
2: David's been here the whole time. I've been here. Yeah. He's an incredible resource. So much fun to talk baseball with. So great to have him on. Um, but to see the history, and we, you know, obviously last year we had it with the 2002 team. Um, but when these World Series teams come back, the 72, 73, 74, and and our players see, like you said, what what it looked like, and and what this team meant to this community and to the city, it's great. And and I heard David say on uh, during your interview, you know. It, it, not having Ray around anymore is such a, an important link to those teams. And he was so great about talking about those eras and representing what those eras meant. And Ray's missed for so many reasons, but, but obviously that's a huge one, but it'll be so much fun to see those guys out on the field Saturday.
1: I got to be honest with you, you know, all the years doing this and I've interviewed these guys over the years, but I think as I've gotten older and I know where they are like last year and this year, I'm really trying to appreciate it because we're not going to have too many of these and we've lost our beloved Ray Fossey and so many of these players. I mean, so everybody come out on Sunday – and honor these players because I don't know how many more times we're going to be able to do
2: this. No, you're right, it, and obviously bando has gone yeah. now. We lost Sal, so um, it is. It's really nice to honor them, remember what they accomplished, and again, how much you know that team that, that hadn't been in this town for that long meant, and, and bringing world championships here.
1: Now I know the start. You know it, it, it's hard. Yeah, and I know I know you're not happy about <laughs> it, right? I mean, you're not going to sugarcoat yeah, it. Yeah,
2: no, it's been a rough first two weeks. I mean, we. We hit the ground running with a pitching staff that was, you know, sort of put together late and was missing Paul Blackburn and Drew Rosinski to begin with. And the domino effect has been really hard. I mean, those are, for all intents and purposes, our two most experienced guys and our two best strike throwers. Um, and that's what we're hurting right now. We're hurting guys with experience. We're hurting throwing strikes. We, I think we're, you know, second to last in the game and walks and, uh, not striking a lot of guys out. So right now the pitching staff is hurting. They're trying to pick each other up. These guys are young. They're having a hard time getting through games and the bullpen's getting worked. And I know Cots and Emo are trying to do their best to keep guys fresh, but it's, it's snowballed on us in a hurry.
1: Yeah, walks and hit batters, those, those things you just can't defend always come yeah. back to, to hurt you. So give us the timeline because we – I know Rusinski just threw two innings down at AAA, yeah. Paul Blackburn has recently thrown. How fast do you think we can get him here?
2: Uh, but by the end of the month is our hope. I mean, each guy has at least a couple more starts to make in Vegas. We got – you know, the thing about getting these guys back is you need them with a full complement of pitches when they get here. Just as much as we've worked our bullpen, as much – as much difficulty as we've seen getting starters into the fifth inning and beyond um we need them to have their 100 pitches when they get here so it's a couple more starts each
1: how important is it for you because you've been doing this for so long that you can kind of calm down mark kotze you can kind (laughs) of calm down the coaching staff and and i mean i don't want to say you like mentor them but There is that relationship where they're in the battle, man. They're on the field. They're grinding, and they're not sleeping at night. How much do you have to help them through this process?
2: Look, Kotz and I do that for each other. And and the fact that we have such a long history has been really helpful and the trust that's there. I mean, we talk – we talk every night. sometimes we give each other a little more time after a game than other nights, um, but it's important to talk. It's important that that he knows that, that he has our support, that the coaching staff knows that and we we talk about the processes and and what they're doing before the game because a lot of the results are out of our control right now, which is too bad um, but but they know you know they know we understand where we're at they know that we're looking at at how hard these guys are working and trying and that's important and um and they keep grinding i mean i talked to cots every day on that road trip talked about the coaches getting in early putting in the early work on the field like these guys are grinding they're gonna grind it out we just need to see the results turn
1: now the thing about the orioles series that you start to notice especially when you keep score of every single game is how everybody was contributing Mm -hmm. every like Every single guy, all one through nine, and then all of a sudden you look up, I think it was 44 hits in the series. It was, what, 24 runs scored. You had to feel better about the Baltimore series offensively.
2: For sure. I mean, the offense in general has, has done their part for the most part. We, we out-hit the Rays one of those games down there, uh, and there have been some real bright spots. Obviously, Rooks' day yesterday was great to see. Estes had really good at-bats. Noda fitting in the two-hole and getting on base. I mean, there are some bright spots. And then outside of those guys, there are some veterans who have the track record you expect they're going to figure it out. A lead miss is going to be better. Jace is going to hit better. Tony's going to get... You know, back on track. We'll get Brownie back hopefully in just a couple of weeks. So there are some bright spots on the offense, and you feel good about the seven runs we put up yesterday. The you know the win on Wednesday there. So uh, I feel good about where the offense is, and that it's going to continue to get better.
1: I love Nota and every single time he gets on base, I text Cody. What does he do? He gets on base. <laughs> going back to Moneyball. He gets on base. He uh, does. He,
2: he yeah, he just has to be who he is. I talked to Ryan about this right before the season. I mean, we we took him in that rule 5 draft because because he gets on base, because he's got that sneaky pop. And I told him just be who you are. You don't have to do anything more. And for him to be comfortable in the 2 hole right now for Kotz to put him there, know that he's going to set the table for some of those guys. It's it's big step two weeks into his career
1: I remember when we talked to you about how you acquired Cole Irvin and you went through this elaborate oh we liked him years ago out of Oregon and we've been following him you're like wow you've been following this guy forever and I think it like it's been brought to us like hey Rooker's kind of like Brandon Moss now and I think like Rooker to me I'm just gonna guess is a guy that you liked Coming out of the SEC. You liked him a lot. You've been following him. You've been seeing. Like, this is, he just fits that guy that you've liked for a long time that you brought in, and boy. He's starting to hit on what you believed in.
2: Yeah, I mean to see him have a day like yesterday to break out and, and show that power. But to answer your question, yeah, like I remember what we wrote in some of our amateur reports in 2017 when he when he was in college and talking about the power he was he was playing first base at the time and weren't quite sure he was a first baseman, but he was athletic enough to play the outfield. But but you remember those things. The guy goes in the comp round. You sort of remember what we thought of him, and then he bounces around. He ends up on waivers a couple times, and you you know that hopefully it's just a matter of being in the right place at the right time for him. And I'd love to see him continue this this streak he's on.
1: Like, how much would you say it's a gamble? When you bring him in, has a good spring, you made a choice to not have Pache here. Bring, I mean, how yeah. much is that a gamble? And what is that like for the front office where you go, as of right now, not everything's paying off, that's yeah. paying off?
2: Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's a little more uh, scientific than a gamble. I mean, obviously in, in the decision to not have Pache here. That's, that decision's irreversible. We couldn't send him down to the minor leagues. So when you talk about designating a guy and having to trade him, like that's something you can't take back. So it's a little more meaningful than other decisions. But Brent earned this. I mean, he... he we claimed him off waivers because of the year he had in AAA last year and because of the potential that was there. He came into spring training and had quality at-bats all of March. We talked about it constantly. And when it came down to the decision, you know, what was going to be better for us now and what did we think was going to play over the long haul, he was the guy.
1: I know you've made some moves. I want to get to that. But I, I, I got a soft spot. When you're in this game long enough and you know how hard it is, you know how hard it is to stay here and make a living, when I see someone like Carlos Perez – do what he has done the last two days. I mean, he's 6 for 8, a dinger, two RBIs. Knowing everything that he's been through mm-hmm. and to see that, it's kind of what makes our game special because you don't see that in other sports.
2: This guy basically had no spring training. I mean, we signed him. He had spent one day with a team in Mexico. I don't think he'd even gotten on the field. I think he just had a physical. So then we bring him to, to minor league camp, takes a physical there, takes BP the next day maybe gets in one minor league game, we bring him over. I mean, I wish I could do anything as well as he rolls out of bed and hits major league pitching. It's amazing what he's done. He's a total pro, picks up our pitching staff quickly. In a situation that we were in with Manny being out for an extended period of time, he's the perfect guy to find and plug in.
1: When he hit the home run, where I when was the last? I had to like look, it was like May 18th of 2018. I'm like, that's amazing.
2: Except he's hit 30 a year in AAA between then and now. You know that he can hit. Um, But just to come into the situation and be comfortable and and play a position like that, it's, yeah, it's pretty amazing what he's been able to do. All
1: right, so we got Hogan Harris. Obviously, he was a 2018 draft pick. What, he was a third-rounder, I think he yeah. was? Third-rounder. And you got Tyler Wade, infielder, going to come up. He can play a lot of different positions for you. Uh, Aller and Allen go down. Yeah. I'm assuming Allen goes down because you want him to play.
2: 100%. Nick needs to play. Yeah, he's 24 years old. He he can't be a utility guy right now. Uh, and, you know, a little bit like what we talked about, Rooker. Kevin Smith had a great spring didn't make the team out of camp, but went down and hit, and hit a bunch of homers already in the first 10 days there and and deserves an opportunity. So he's going to play here. Obviously, a lead gets some time at short, too, and Nick needs to go play. So our expectation is he goes, he plays up every day, gets his legs under him, gets his hits down there. He'll be back. So, I mean, these things are fluid as the year goes along. And with Hogan, you know, that's no secret we needed more length in the bullpen. And he's he started down there. He's got stretched out. Adam used up 80-plus pitches yesterday, and that's just kind of the natural course of the season.
1: Cal Stevenson, who we had on this program, local kid, was yeah. that a tough call?
2: It was, absolutely. I mean, you, there's never – there's never a good name that sort of comes up in the designated conversation, particularly this time of year when you know you're going to need the full extent of the 40-man roster. And, and Cal did nothing wrong. He just – his number's up right now in terms of the positions and how our roster looks. So,
1: Harris, what's the plan?
2: Harris is in the bullpen. He'll, he'll be ready to go, whether it's today, tomorrow, Sunday. You know, obviously Adrian came in, threw out of the pen yesterday. We need some length and if Cots if, if has to go to the pen early in the game or get some extended innings, Hogan's going to get thrown right in there.
1: I try and tell people all the time because I did that role. Yeah. The long <laughs> long reliever, I try and tell people, you know, don't look at the numbers. You need innings. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to have to be the sacrificial lamb. But here we live in a world where guys prepare once every five days They get to go out on the day of their start. They get the massage. They they get to run their poles, play long toss, do all of that, and then they get to start. And if it goes bad, you got a guy who's just sitting there, and you go, well. You didn't get all that. You didn't get the massage. You didn't get. Now we need you to go in and now get us a bunch of innings and be like a starter. It is such a hard role. It's
2: difficult, and that's why you know to watch what Adrian's done these first two weeks. He's pitched great, and and to be fair, Adam did a nice job as well in Tampa last weekend. Again, he just. You know, used up his allotment yesterday and and the pen got burned. But Adrian's come in, he's thrown strikes, he's given us two to three innings at a time, and he's ready every two or three days. I mean, that's the other thing. These guys throw extended outings, and you got to turn right around and be ready again because until we sort of get the starting rotation back, get some of this water out of the boat, we're going to keep going to the bullpen.
1: That's what's so tough for, for Emo and Mark Kotze is, like, you're sitting there, you know, your starters have thrown 58 innings while your bullpen's thrown 55. It's just yeah. that's not the recipe you want.
2: No, it's not. And we don't, you know, I know it's been written we don't have a win yet from our starting rotation. Ken pitched great the other the other night on Fabulous. Wednesday. And yeah. put us in a position to win, but, you know, didn't get the win. So until we can start getting some six-plus innings, inning outings from our guys and start getting some wins from that rotation. We're going to constantly sort of be in flux.
1: When you look at the data when building a bullpen, year for year after year, it's so hard to find consistency. Yeah. Nobody has. It's like no, there's 30 teams, and like nobody has. And there's so many guys you switch. and just, how hard is it to build a consistent bullpen?
2: It's hard. I mean, there are elite guys who are consistent year to year. Those are the closers. Those are the, the multi-million dollar guys. Um, everyone else, it's hard to be consistent because when you're good, when you're pitching the ball, I'm sorry, when you're pitching well and throwing the ball well, the manager wants you out there, and they use you, and they use you, and they use yeah. you, and the, just the nature of the position, you're gonna get burnt out. So it's tough to be consistent out there. That's why, like I said, the guys who are the best, they're getting paid.
1: Uh, We'll let you go on this. Expectations for this homestand, Mets. They're just a game over 500, high expectations yeah. there. Cubs are better than people thought, too.
2: For sure. Two tough teams. I mean, the Mets are as high profile as it gets. They're, I think their payroll is about 6x what we are right <laughs> now, so it's, it's, tough. it's tough to go out there and match up. Uh, we got three good pitchers going against us. I haven't seen Senga in person, but I've seen enough to know we got our hands full tonight, and the Scherzer guy on Sunday's okay, too. So, Um, you know our guys are going to grind we're going to go out there and play hard and and you know try and get one or two out of this weekend try and get one or two out of the Cubs and try and start winning some series
1: I mean let's just be honest everybody in the game looks at how much money the Mets are spending and everybody (laughs) just goes I mean that's it's an incredible amount to pay anybody that kind of money just to play a sport
2: it's incredible yeah We'll see, we'll see how it goes.
1: Wow, unbelievable. But uh, thank you for your time. All right. Uh, what do you want? It's on me. Yeah,
2: Blue Moon I'm in.
1: Blue Moon for the GM. <laughs> That's
3: David Forrest. What do we got? What do we got next? Cody, where are we going? Uh, we're supposed to have Kevin Smith come up here. so
1: anything what? you want me
2: to ask Kevin Smith? No, just he needs to keep doing what he's doing.
1: That's what I told you. I I, we saw him today. I said, I told you in spring you'd be back quick. I told you back. Appreciate I, t- I told him too. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> the time. Kevin Smith coming up next, right here on A's Cast Live. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. You know, how much time do, you, do we have? Because I, I, I've i got some unbelievable data for you. Um, I, I mean, unbelievable data that I've tracked down.
3: Haven't heard anything from PR about Kevin Smith yet, so we got some time. I mean,
1: I, I'm busting out the brand-new portfolio, Rawlings Heart of the Hide. That Cody big leagued, this is the same leather that gloves are made out of. Got it from Rawlings. I think it's sweet. You called
3: it overrated. Or it could have been overpriced. I don't know. It might have been overpriced, <laughs> but sometimes you got to treat yourself. Well, sometimes the word over was used. All right. Are you ready
1: for some data, some really good data? First, let's talk rules. The average nine-inning game is 26 minutes faster than last year. 26 minutes. The previous four years, games averaged, averaged over three hours. Right now, the average is 237. The games are, for some of you, you weren't alive. These games are now equaling of what the times were in 1984. I was a kid. That's how fast these games are. We're now playing at the pace of 1984. I don't know how you can tell me it's not working. We're basically eliminating 33 minutes of just dead time. Same amount of innings, same amount of outs, same amount of action, We just eliminated stuff that wasn't happening. Last year, we had three nine-inning games that went over four and a half hours. We've had one game this year, one, go over three hours and 15. Three hours and 15 was all the time. Listen to these times. Nine-inning games last year, 446 These are nine-inning games, four hours and 46 minutes, four hours and 45 minutes, and four hours and 37 minutes. I mean, are you kidding me? The difference is unbelievable. George Wilson said this, uh, the legendary writer out of Baltimore. He said this is all coming at at the, the exact time when baseball truly needed it. Baseball was on the brink, in trouble. This is coming in and saving it. Because as we said a couple days ago on Wednesday, God, I feel like Wednesday was Friday. I've been screwing that up. Wednesday, we, are, we told you, ratings overall in baseball up. And the amount of time people watch is up. So not only are more people tuning in, but they're staying for a longer period. It's exactly what the game needed. Now, how about guys struggling? I thought this was interesting. Major League baseball players and violations with the pitch timer are less in the first two weeks than it was last year in the minor leagues first two weeks. So our major league baseball players have adapted to the new rules and the pitch timer faster than the minor leaguers did. I mean, does that I mean, we're, we've got the pros here. They're figuring it out, right? You're going to hear from Mark Canna. He has a strikeout violation. <laughs> He'll talk about it. But, yeah, they are absolutely adjusting. So the speed of the games, it is working. Games are faster. We're at a pace at 1984. This is what it was like when I was a kid to watch baseball. Because I remember going to baseball games as a kid, and it wasn't three and a half hours. And we kept harping on that. Like, this is not what it used to be. So when the people kept saying, oh, baseball shouldn't have a clock, you're now realizing how much dead time, how much standing around, how much adjusting the gloves, how much pitchers holding the baseball. Juan Soto taking. Juan Soto was a human rain delay, by the way. Juan Soto was averaging like 20 seconds. He was able to step out 20 seconds between pitches to get pitches to Juan Soto. Unbelievable. How about stolen bases? Stolen bases. Guys that are successful right now. God, I didn't get to ask David about that. I forgot. About,
3: about S D or just overall?
1: Uh, overall. Guys, stolen bases, 81.3% sec- success rate. That's the highest of all time. Think about that. Base runners are more successful at stealing bases this year than they've ever been before in the history of the game. If you're not taking advantage of this, Shame on you. You want to talk about success percentages? Orioles 95%, Arizona 94.4, the Mets who are in town 93.3 and Cleveland at 90.5. You're I mean, every single time you're stealing you're safe basically with these percentages. How are you not taking advantage of this and something to really think about, the average primary lead for a base runner on first base last year the average was 11 feet 5 inches this year 11 feet 10 inches so the average primary lead is a little bit bigger now think about that we already have bigger bases so not only are the league not only are the leads bigger you've got bigger bases we're making it even easier for for you to steal bases so wow If you're not taking advantage of these new rules, I'll give you another one on the uh, games. Games under two and a half hours going into today, we've had 54. Same time last year, games two and a half hours and under had five. 54 last year, five. So it's just it's impressive. It's it really is impressive how much these changes have worked this is exactly what baseball wanted to see and they're seeing it with the consumers that's the other thing right you could say we're going to make changes all we want but if it doesn't change anything I mean it's early small sample size but if we're already seeing that there's more engagement from consumers more people want to watch baseball more people want to be interested in baseball and also what it will end up doing too which we haven't had a whole lot of time kevin smith's going to join us here but what it does for primetime games as primetime games normally start later well being it's going to be easier for people to stay up later and watch games as we're putting the headset on kevin smith right now but it's going to make it's going to make it a lot easier for people to stay up later and watch games and Kevin, as, as you've played with the new rules, not yeah. only here but in the minor leagues, I was just going over it, we're playing at a pace of where the game was in 1984. Wow. Think about yeah. how fast it's that is. It's for
6: sure faster, yeah.
1: And, and what's that like? I mean, so you've played by both set of rules. You've played with no timer. You've played with timer. How do you like it?
6: I mean, it's nice because you can get home and, and have some dinner with your family afterwards and, and see them a lot, right? But, um, Getting used to the, the game flow and just just kind of how you would slow the game down, you know, on your own personal level, whether it's a pitcher or hitter has been has been different. Just learning how much time you have, you don't want to get in the box too early because then the pitcher can can hold the ball for eight seconds and you're just kind of standing there. You don't want to get in too late because you get balled or strike. So, um, same with the pitchers though; they're trying to figure it out. They can't really go through their mental process of what pitch they want to throw, you know, reading swings, you know, reading what they're trying to do offensively. So. Just doing all that stuff, it speeds it all up, and you have, you know, what you we used to have 30 seconds to figure out, you know, what the sequence is or what you want to look for next pitch or what the pitcher wants to throw. Now it's like four or five seconds, and you're relying a lot on catchers and scouting reports. So it'll be interesting to see how it, how it develops and how it kind of comes through the rest of the season. We told you in spring training, you're going to be a big part of this team. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I
1: know you're disappointed to not make it. I, 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 we were all. Everybody watching and listening, we were all disappointed you didn't make it. We're happy as heck you're back.
6: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I mean, to get back here with the guys and and to get a win in Baltimore and to come back home and hopefully have two great series here before we head to Texas, Um, you know, it's time to get the season rolling. And um, the guys are gelling. The team's in a good spot. We're excited for the future, and uh, we're excited to get going and, and make this a great season. Things flipped
1: for you last month of last season, spring training started this year what was the biggest change was it mental or was it physical
6: you know just coming over getting traded for the first time having it be your first year in the big leagues I mean you know that first time up and getting used to everything and trying to feel comfortable being with a new team um, you know I've talked to five or ten other guys on the league that did the same thing that I did that are now you know all-stars or getting contracts and stuff and they're like everyone goes through it you know it's kind of like there's maybe four or five guys a generation that come up and just instantly get it, and they click, and they, they're, on, they're on full cylinder. But, you know, for the rest of the guys, it's a transition, and it's, it's trying to get as comfortable as possible and just work through these, these periods where you're learning a lot. You're learning a lot about yourself, about the team, about the game. Um, and so the more that you can stay positive and the more that you can just go out there every night and, and try to learn from, you know, whatever mistakes might happen, whatever losses come with it, um, you know those guys take it, and then they said the more that you can just take that and then work with it and get better, um, the better you're going to be in five, ten years.
1: When I first interviewed you at spring training last year, I'll never forget this: when you were in little league, the all star team was green and yellows.
6: Yes. And these yeah.
1: colors, green and gold, have always meant something to you.
6: Yeah, I mean, when I was you know eight years old, I was on the athletics in little league, and then you know we worked every summer to get on that all star team and to go to state. So. You know, put on the green and gold when I was 10 meant something, and it means something now. So it's cool to kind of see it go full circle. I know, you know, everyone back in my hometown, the green and gold has always been, been two big colors. Um, it's just crazy how life works sometimes, and it, and it comes full circle.
1: <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's
6: nuts. A, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Shortstop,
1: third base. I know you came up with shortstop. You played a lot of third. What do you think you're better at? What are you happier playing?
6: I mean, I probably have – 10,000 more innings at shortstop than I do at third base so you know just naturally and instinct wise and, and knowing where I'm supposed to be shortstop you know is a, a place where I can kind of do it in my sleep and I feel comfortable and I've done that since I was eight years old um, learning third base last year in the big leagues um, it was fun man I, I, there's a lot of different plays that you have to make different different routes you have to take the balls different throws you have to make at third um, so that's all fun to learn but like I said when you're in the big leagues and you're trying to win Um, and you're still kind of learning a position, it can be tough. You know, you don't want to be that guy that's in the wrong spot and you're learning stuff as the game's going. You want to be the guy that that can make big plays for your team and help pitchers out. So, you know, at short, um, having, like I said, like 10,000 innings at short and and knowing that in my sleep makes me feel more comfortable just just being able to make great plays for our pitchers and have their backs when they need to be. Um, But like I said, knowing how to play third, knowing how to play second, in that pregame and early work, um, I feel like that can be a big thing to my game as well.
1: Let's end on this. I know you couldn't hear me when I was yelling at the television, just be patient, just be patient, because <laughs> I know when you get called up, you want to do too much. You want to oh, prove course. You want to prove yes. everything in the first at-bat <laughs> yes. and every at-bat, yep. and it's just not how our game works. How no. much do you have to say to yourself, okay, I'm back. Mm-hmm. I don't have to hit a home run every A.B. I don't have to impress. Just how can you tell yourself, be patient, man, you're all right.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the $10 million question right there is how to do that as quick as possible. Obviously, when you get called up, you're excited. You know, you want to, like you said, you want to show out. You want to show the work you've been putting in. Um, the more you can just stay in your routine and what you do and for how long you can do that, the better you're going to be. I mean, once you start pushing, like you said. But it's tough, man. When the game's on the line and, and you, you're up there and you're, you have the opportunity to, to make the difference, man, you want that more than anything. So uh, way easier said than done. Um, but the best players can put that behind them and, and stay with their routine and stay with their plan um, and I think that's what you know I talked to Shea about that I talked to Ruiz about that you know, we have so many guys that are in that position and they all want to come through big for the team they all want to help us win um, which I think is exactly where we want to be we just have to you know be comfortable with, with trusting our teammates and and knowing that everyone on the field is feeling the exact same thing it's just who can who can put that behind them and, and be the most patient and kind of stick with their approach the best and you know those are the teams that win games
1: i can tell you what a lot of people in the post game show they were asking when's he coming back when's he coming back (laughs) that's got to feel good yeah yeah, knowing that the fan base has been watching they watched how you turned it around Mm -hmm. last year at the end of the year in las vegas they watched your spring training Mm -hmm. just know that uh the ace fans green and gold fans out there they're happy you're back
6: yeah no i appreciate that guys and and, you know on on social media stuff i'm always getting messages of guys reaching out and um that means the world to players you know that that's kind of what you do it for obviously you do it for your family and and you want to you know make them proud but at the end of the day man you're playing for the fans and you want to do good and you want to win games and you want to win championships so um that's really all you can hope for and, and what you wish for and now you know it's just our time to go out there and win some games and uh show them the love back
1: well we appreciate the time. Welcome to the treehouse. Yeah, it's, it's great our, up here. It's awesome up well, here. too bad I can't buy you a drink.
6: I know you yeah, got a not, game to play, not, not the best time. Yeah, not yeah, the best time, maybe
1: may, maybe someday we'll we'll get you up here and, yeah, and we we'll need get your post game
6: up here. A little post game action. But we uh, got more
1: you. coming up next right here on A's Cast Live.
5: Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris
6: Townsend.
1: How are we doing on time, Commander? We've just had so many people run, running in and out.
3: Uh, we got plenty of time. We're we're on till about five forty-five. So.
1: And you know what I love about being in the treehouse? You know, I used to be in the treehouse every game. Yeah. Every game. We did every pregame show from the treehouse. It's a long time ago. Well, that thing COVID happened, and then that changed everything. And I know I've had a lot of people say, when are you going to be in the treehouse? Well, we did we did this last year, and they're going to have us back here for these happy hours. $10 beers, $14 for uh, mixed cocktails. I, I see the menu over there. but um, Every Friday home game will be up here. Every Friday. But, yeah, right here, you just flip it around. I used to sit right here for every single pregame we'd be out here. But... Unfortunately, COVID changed all that, and a lot of
3: things have changed. So we will be here. Come out and see us. Baby steps. That's why we're here, and then maybe we'll get you back out here.
1: If you're listening, athletics.com slash or watching on Twitter or watching on YouTube or Facebook, we appreciate it. But come out and see us. I wish we were more out and about like we used to, but uh, we'll our, there. our world changed, and still we're like the only team that does this.
3: This is our second remote broadcast of the week.
1: You don't get teams that are broadcasts that come out amongst the fans no, and then when i was doing it every game nobody does that
3: yeah remember we, we they'll did.
1: have studios where they, they certain teams have like certain areas and they'll have it roped off so i guess people can just come up and like kind of watch but actually where you're like with us uh, we're the only people in baseball that do that
3: yeah remember we did an nbc remote the other day which we have a few more of those coming up soon and then we're back here every friday and we'll be back on the field monday when the cubs are in town
1: by the way, speaking of our friends, NBC Sports California, the big auction tonight. Make sure you're out there bidding on the auction. Some really, really cool. Here, I'll full screen the graphic. Can you do that? Yeah. Yeah. So if, if uh, I wish we had the, some of the, I, I just, up top of my head, you got, you can go with the team to Miami to South
3: Beach. Yeah. A meet and greet with Ricky Henderson. You can be hit in front of a crowd at the Coliseum. You can go with the team to South Beach. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. I'm telling you,
1: folks, if you've never been to South Beach, <laughs> it is, it, you know, it's one of those ways. You need to go to New Orleans once. You need to go to South Beach once. Uh, I, I mean, that, it, it is a rip-roaring time down at South Beach. The, 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 I know I had a good
3: time when I was at South Beach. I haven't gone to Miami yet. I want to. The, Miami's legit. The trip that we're the, – But the, kind of like Vegas, I don't want to stay there. you got to get out. The trip to Miami, right after that, is when the team goes to Pittsburgh, so I'll be joining – it. So I'm missing Miami, but I'll be in Pit- – so, no. yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh is nothing like Miami.
1: I'm telling you, when you're at South Beach, it's like you think of all the movies, all the TV shows, and you're like, it looks just like that.
3: <laughs> I mean, I mean like, yeah, I, I'll take your word for because I haven't got I mean, a chance to go.
1: What people are wearing on South Beach, it isn't a whole heck of a lot. And even in the bars, it, it, it's unbelievable. But then also that, you have Fantasy Camp, Fantasy Camp that you can bid on. Uh, we'll be at Fantasy Camp again in January. You know, Brody, Brody, the great Brody Brazil may have ruined Fantasy Camp for me.
3: Yeah, I know they. Stephanie Gaywood, who joined us the other day, our director of community engagement. Because you think Fund. it's all fun and games,
1: so Brody blows out his hammy in his first at-bat and is still feeling the effects of it.
3: He had a heroic comeback, though. Oh, I still have that video. Hold on.
1: Well, we got to get to Marcotte. Yeah.
3: By the way, real quick, tomorrow – Jackie Robinson Day. If you come, you can get the Jackie Robinson hat and the Kelly green. It's a pretty sweet hat. The A's logo on the side. And come and get it tomorrow, April 15th. Our friend 15th. Bob
1: uh, Kendrick, who runs the Negro League Museum, and he's been on this program multiple times, saw him on today with our buddy uh, Brian Kenny on MLB Network on MLB Now, talking about Jackie Robinson Day. Always so special, and really, you look at the history of Jackie. Jackie Robinson's very first at-bat Grounded out to my grandfather. My grandfather, little five three against uh, Jackie Robinson. But what he did for this country, because a lot of people don't, and that's one of the reasons why you should go to the, the Negro League Museum in Kansas City. You learn so much. Is you know the military wasn't even integrated yet. I mean, what Jackie Jackie Robinson integrating baseball changed just not baseball. It changed our country in so many different ways. That's why he's so much bigger than just a baseball player as a figure. And I wish, and I say this every single year, you know, I think of Larry Doby, who did the exact same thing months later in the American League. Great player, Hall of Famer, manager, Cleveland. We should recognize him more and do more than just Jackie Robinson, but it, what we do for Jackie obviously is is so special as 42 is retired all around. But learn more about Jackie Robinson of what he did, not only for baseball. It's almost like baseball is a part. It's not not even close to the biggest part of how Jackie Robinson helped change the United States of America and really helped change parts of the globe. It was that big and that influential.
3: Well said. I was listening to Hembo and Buster talk about it earlier. And it's going to be a special No, they did it on... uh, On baseball tonight, yeah. Haven't heard the podcast today.
1: Outstanding podcast with our buddy, Buster Olney, the great Paul Himbikides. All right, where are we going? Oh, earlier today, Mark Kotze, family coming into town, had to pick people up from the airport, so he needed to go early. And when I mean early, I mean early. So that means Ace Cast Live, we get up early. Here's my conversation earlier today with the manager, of the Oakland Athletics. It's time for the Mark Kotze Show. Now, time for the Mark Kotze Show right here on A's Cast, brought to you by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to their website. Get 10% off your entire order when you use the coupon code Oakland, whether you want your bed, bedding, sheets, pillows, you name it. Go to nestbedding.com. Mark Kotze, I got to think getting home off that plane after the long flight and a long road trip had to be a good night's sleep in your nest bed. (laughs)
4: <laughs> it was definitely, Townie. Um, it was a long trip. It was a grind. Um, we played, uh, you know, the best team in baseball for for a three-game series. And then we went up north and, and played another really good team in the East as well.
1: You know, a lot of people at first were wondering, are the Rays really that good? And I think with this 13-0 and start, and of course this interview will play throughout the week, so... Who knows how long the streak will go. One more win will will break the modern-day record. Uh, you got to see those Rays. I mean, this is a fantastic ball club, very athletic, a lot of power, great pitching. So, I mean, losing to the Rays, I mean, this is a
4: legit team. It is a legit team. Um, I will say, <clears throat> you know, you know how candid and honest I am. I, uh, I wasn't happy with our performance uh, throughout the weekend, um, not because – we got beat, but but I felt there was just a little bit of uh, of lack of preparation, lack of energy, and that that lies on my shoulders. So I take responsibility for that. Um, but you know, at the end of the series, walking away, and then seeing them play against Boston, uh, they are a really balanced team. Um, one through nine in their lineup, their bench, the guys coming in, it, it's tough to get a matchup against them uh, from a bullpen standpoint because they're very evenly balanced. Um, You know, last year, you could see there was some dysfunction, maybe, if you want to say that. They weren't a tight-knit group, but then they came together and made a run at the end in September, and I think that that's continued through this season because it's the same team. Um, Big arms, they pound the strike zone, they've got high velo, uh, their bullpen's made of of different angles, shapes, uh, in terms of their pitches. Um, And so they've done a nice job of of putting a team together that, uh, you know, has uh, gone out and performed.
1: Now, now let's talk about the Baltimore series. I know it didn't go completely the way you wanted, but your team really fought. Just what did you learn about your team in that four game set at Camden Yards?
4: Yeah. You know, uh, prior to that series, I addressed the issues from Tampa um, made sure that they were aware that if, you know, it ever happened again, that uh, there wouldn't be a calmness about my demeanor or my approach to uh Uh, things. And um, they came out and they, like you said, they played good baseball. Um, You know, that's our focus is is to be fundamentally sound to give our chance to win every night. And I felt we did that in Baltimore. Um, You know, unfortunately, yesterday, uh, starting pitching, which we've talked about, uh, which we will continue to talk about um, when you can't get through three innings, um, you know, it's tough. But to our credit, we battled. Um, You know, we took great at-bats. We got back in the game. We gave ourselves a chance to win. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we didn't end up on the the right side yesterday.
1: And talking about lengthening the lineup, I mean, just looking at the scorebook every game, I mean, every guy one through nine was doing something. He had 44 hits in the series. So the offense came alive. And I really want to address two guys because one of the things about our game is all the special stories in our game. Let's start with Brent Rooker. I mean, what a series he had. 28 years old, maybe just maybe finding himself in the big leagues right now. Talk about your outfielder.
4: Yeah, so for Rook, uh, you know, we got him from the Twins. Uh, We waiver-wired him. He had some injury issues there in Minnesota, and the year that he really started out of the gate and got was performing uh, at the big league level got hurt, and so it took him back. Um, You know, talking to Rocco Baldelli, the skipper of the Twins, he, he said great things about Rook. Uh, we obviously saw his performance in spring training, uh, reason he made the roster and, uh, you know, given time throughout the, the, the short season of, of what, 10, 10 games or so, uh, he got his opportunity and really took advantage of it. And, uh, you know, he's taken some great at bats. Yesterday was was fun to watch, you know, two home runs, one to dead center, one to the poolside. Um, just a great series for Rook and uh, and, you know, the opportunity he's taken advantage of.
1: And the other player, it's it warmed my heart, and I know we talked a lot about it on AceCast. I got a chance to do TV this week, and I made sure I really highlighted this. Carlos Perez, I mean, hadn't been in the big leagues for years, hit his first home run since 2018. You put him in the lineup the next game, he hits for you again. I mean, you want to talk about a great story, perseverance. My God, Carlos Perez.
4: Yeah, so Carlos, um, you know, that was the, the last sign, um, when Pena got hurt in, in spring training, you know, we had a young catcher who was 24 years old and Kyle McCann and, you know, rather than rushing him, um, we went out and, and signed a, a guy that had been with our organization. Um, like you said, you know, been really successful in the minor leagues, hasn't been in the big leagues in five years. And, uh, you know, the at-bats that he's taking, um, you know, right now, um, getting his opportunity, he's taking full advantage of it. Um, you know i think he laid three hits out there yesterday so uh you know it was it was great for us to to have him um on this club and and helping Shea in that aspect as well a young catcher trying to mentor him um but what a what a success story to grind through uh his career and and then you know like you said uh be given this opportunity and uh, and taking advantage of it
1: in game three, I think we all just love the way you and your team did everything they could to get the win. We saw two bunts in one inning, including the safety squeeze. Just talk about the mentality right now. There is no blueprint. Right now, it's about going out and winning any game you can and, and letting Walichuk go into the seventh inning, too, and getting over 100 pitches.
5: Yeah.
4: You know, I mean, it's a time for these guys to, to come together and dig in and find ways to win games. And you know that moment uh, in that in that inning. Uh, you know Diaz really started it with the base hit bunt. You know first and second, um, no outs. He bunts to the right side, gets a hit, and uh, and it really started from there. So you know a veteran player, a championship winning player, showing the younger guys. You know that that in times that are uh, are difficult. You know let's let's do things just small and let's do things to win games. And and uh, you know it was great to see. Uh, I made a comment that it's it's not been the tradition of the Oakland Athletics to to do those things. Yeah, uh, maybe it has been prior to my time in the league, but um, we're always thought of as the, the big power slugging team. So, um, you know, we, the, the the hope is that we're in these games. We get this opportunity to play offense. We get these young guys and Ruiz uh, a chance to steal some bases, um, you know, and, and hopefully. Um, continue to build this this uh, identity and this mindset um, that that came out of that game on uh, Wednesday in Baltimore.
1: Interesting homestand with the Mets coming to town, then the Chicago Cubs who've gotten off to a better start than people thought. Uh, obviously, we're going to see some of our old friends that are a- on the Mets, but what do you think of the Mets so far this season? There's just a game over 500 as we start the series. Yeah, you know,
4: their team, they're powerful. Um, you know, you got Pete Alonzo. Um, You got Marte, Mark Canna, you know, the the payroll is one thing that jumps out at you, right? When you think about the Mets. It really jumps out at you. (laughs) (laughs) You never played on it. You played on some big, you played on some
1: expensive teams that never a team like this.
4: Yeah, never a team like this. And, uh, you know, they're starting pitching the pitcher tonight that we're facing. They signed, Um, you know, we don't know a ton about him, but uh, he's two and oh. Uh, he's gotten into the sixth twice in both starts, so he's got a power arm uh, split and uh, a little slider that, that we're going to have to compete with. And, uh, you know, overall, um, you know, Scherzer on on Sunday. So it'll be a tough series for us. Um, you know, if we continue to play offense and continue to do things we can, um, you know, looking forward to uh, to taking two out of three from these guys or, you know, possibility of, uh, of laying it out there with them.
1: You know, it's one thing that you did as a player and they always talk about teams start to take on the personalities of their uh, of their skipper is you came to play you came to fight every day no matter what it was no matter how bad your back was no matter what was going on you came to win how important is that to make sure that that's being instilled into your team that they fight the way you did
4: yeah no no question i mean we're here to win baseball games this is the major leagues and uh, and I said it last year, you know, we're going to have young players that are going to have peaks and valleys. You know, you'd like to see the the linear climb, the, the you know, the slope that uh, is, is steady and slightly uphill. But in reality, uh, if you've watched enough baseball and you understand uh, what experience does and, and what the timeline is, it's, uh, you know, for young guys, it's 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 a challenge. And it's not only a challenge for these guys to to. Uh, Want to you know prove that they're major league players, but um, to continue the success and and so our challenge is staying positive through this process and coming to the yard with the attitude that we've got a chance to win every day and and that's my job and that's my responsibility and and uh, you know I I take that on my shoulders uh, I'll wear it on my chest and and we'll show up to fight every night. Great stuff. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Tony. Thanks for having me, buddy.
3: Is he done? The skipper? Yeah. You know. That's my bad. I wasn't fully monitoring that.
1: Well, it's hard when we're here in the Treehouse, let's be honest. It's happy hour, folks. Come out and see us. Great deals here. Uh, You'll absolutely love it. Treehouse is one of the best things the A's have done to the Coliseum. I remember when it was – I remember when I first walked over – I was doing Warriors at the time for our old station. Season had started, so I was doing pregame for the Warriors. I walked down and up and came in and they were laying the floor and I remember going, "This is going to be incredible." I mean, and this place is. I mean, for what for what this used to be for just Raider games, Eastside Club, and what they've turned the treehouse into, I've always thought this is a great place to hang out, have some cocktails, have some beers. Watch the game. Doesn't get any better than this.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm glad we're able to do this up here. Every Friday home game, we're going to be up here. So I'm looking forward to being up here and being amongst the fans and having players. Come. It was cool that David Force came over. Uh, yeah. David Feldman. And uh, I mean, how many times are you going to get a team's GM into a place yeah. like this? Well, what I when I, <laughs> I mean it's very rare. I mean, I completely forgot that we we're up here. So when when uh, when our boss and a uh, great. The great Vito, the uh, the Barlow, told me that we're going to be in the treehouse. I was like, uh, okay. So I was like, we well, already booked Forest, so and I don't know if he's going to want to come up to the tree. I'll see you in the treehouse. Yeah. Okay. Awesome, awesome. Um, I'm going to tell you this.
1: What's different about Mark Kotze than I think a lot of new managers? See the fit here with the A's is so right Because he's been here And he has the relationship With the front office And it's just not That he was a player It's the fact that he was a coach under Melvin And that he's been here That He is not afraid to get Into the players you know what Yeah. Now we're, you're, we're not going to get into That a whole heck of a lot I just want people to know That Mark Kotze, if things aren't going the way, he understands the situation. We, we, we all understand where the A's are, right? You have the highest payroll today against the lowest payroll today. It's, it's ridiculous. It's the economics of It's the situation. All stuff that's out of our control. But what can we do? Control the controllables. We only can control the controllables. Cody and I are trying to live not only our our business life but our personal lives, but control what you can control, right? We're not going to flip out and do the Twitter thing and everybody's going nuts and all that kind. Can't control any of that. Can't control the business of baseball. Can't control stadium issues. We can't control that. All out of our hands, we can focus on baseball. And when people start thinking, well, okay, what's Mark Kate like? I'm just telling you, as a new manager, he is not afraid to get up into his guys' grills. He's very non Bob Guerin like. No offense to Bob Guerin, but I wasn't here for the around then. Yeah. This is not Bob Guerin. And Mark Kate lit into these guys. But he's only gonna but he understands what he's got. And what he's gonna expect is what he got in Baltimore and what he got against Cleveland. Now, got run over in Tampa, but as we're starting to see, Tampa's pretty darn good. they're uh,
3: running over everyone.
1: What's the score right now? <laughs> oh, good. They're question. at the Rogers Center. They're taking on Toronto.
3: They're taking on your Jays.
1: No, no, they're my Rays now. Oh, yeah. I've adopted the Ray I'm I, you know what, I'm I'm bandwagon Ray fan.
3: You flip flop more than an NBA player does. <laughs>
1: What, Jordan's not my favorite guy anymore? Uh, uh, You're not a Bulls fan anymore?
3: Rays, Jays, where is that? Oh, Blue Jays up 2-1 with guys on first and second in the bottom of the fifth. No out.
1: Not afraid. Even when they're behind, they come back. I want to see this streak go.
3: Uh, that was Rasmussen's first run. He's a lot all year, too.
1: I-, I want to see the streak go. Uh, I'd like to see him roll off like 20. That'd uh, be great. It would. Because uh, guess what? The teams that I really hate, Red Sox – are already so. Yesterday, eight. yesterday was fourteen games into the season. They're already eight games back.
3: It's eight not, games. Not good. They're getting uh, Hein Bloom's getting uh, boat race by his old team.
1: If 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 the A's would have pulled it out yesterday, Baltimore, Baltimore would have been seven games back today. Already after fourteen games, you're eight games back. The
3: Yankees are what four back, five back. Yeah. Oh, uh, I have something to say, and I don't ever get on the Mad Dog. Do you, do, no. If there's two people that I have to defend, that's BK and Mad Dog. Well, I'm going to say this, and happy birthday to the real Mad Dog, uh, the great Greg Maddox, you 57 know, I, today. If I had a
1: bo- I don't have a bone to pick with you today, but if I did, I would really bring it up because I would just look at my notes, and they say happy birthday to the Mad Dog, the modern king of efficiency. What are the two things that they highlight? About one of the greatest pitchers of all time.
3: I didn't. I, didn't, I just saw it said was his birthday. I didn't read. Just after. take a
1: guess. What do they highlight? Who's your favorite pitcher of all time? Uh, Greg Maddox. Your favorite pitcher is Greg Maddox. What are the highlights they talk about in his career?
3: Strike thrower. He's the most efficient, and it means what? Uh, he gets through games fast. And he pitches deep in the games.
1: Thirty-five complete game shutouts.
3: Uh, yeah. Well. I know him as a shout-out. But out, what's but.
1: the number one thing they bring up about Greg Maddox?
3: Mm, I, I don't know. There's so many things they could go. What, what is it? Oh, really?
1: You don't know? You really, really don't know the number one thing 355 they wins? His favorite pitcher of all time, the first thing everybody says, Greg Maddox, winner of 355 games. They don't talk about his strikeouts. They don't talk about his whip. They don't talk about his ex-fip. They don't talk about any of that. They talk about how many wins the guy had. Happy birthday to the guy that had 355
3: career wins, your favorite pitcher. How many times did he strike out Tony Gwynn? Not a lot. I don't think it was any. You know what? He's not my favorite anymore. He couldn't even strike out Tony Gwynn. I mean, it's hard to strike out Tony Gwynn. But anyway, back to Mad Dog quick before we get to Mark Mad Dog did his power rankings today. And he prefaced it off talking about how teams did last year and all that stuff. And it's what blah, does that blah, blah. have to do with this year? Great, great question. Alana Rizzo wrote that. She goes, well, by, by your logic. You're a
1: different person from last
3: year. It's true. I'm now in my almost second year of marriage now. You're it's all grown up. up. Alana Rizzo said, well, if you're basing on that, then you would have the Phillies in your top ten. He goes, yeah, I know. I, I left them out, but they should be in. I'm like, they're 4-9. How should they be in? Anyway, Mad Dog had the race fourth in his power rankings. So fourth. Wait. So his power rankings were not this year? He was like, "Well, the his, his premise with the Rays is they not they haven't played anybody, oh which God. I'm tired of that." That's then then he also said, he put about the point, "Well, if they if this the playoffs started, they wouldn't be favored against the Astros or the Yankees with Cole and Rodon. Rodon hasn't even pitched in a game yet, and we're saying the Yankees are better than that." Wait, wait, wait! Astros off to not a good start. He had, the, he had the Astros number one. They're six and seven. So wait a minute,
1: Astros not
3: off to a good start. Yep. Yankees Yankees got
1: blown out. Yankees gave up nine runs in the first inning. Yep. They give up back-to-back-to-back to back to back home runs. Um, you're trying to tell me if the season ended today, the Astros, the way they've started, would be favorites over the Rays, knowing that that series and, and Yankees, both those series, if it was a seven-game set, if it goes seven games, four games, or it's a drop.
3: Yeah, nope. He won he Astros. He went Astros, Yankees, Braves. I forget who he went fourth. Or Fourth was the race. Are
1: you you telling me right now Vegas would favor?
3: He he brought up Vegas. He goes, Vegas would favor the Astros and Yankees.
1: Do I have to go to my gambling guy?
3: Uh, No, because I'm telling you what Mad Dog said.
1: No, but I could go to my gambling guy. If you're telling me right now if the season ended right now and the Rays were undefeated and the Astros had started the way they would started, and yes – no Verlander, by the way.
3: Yeah, no Verlander,
1: no McCallers
3: Jr. Um, you're telling me the Astros would be favored? Vegas would actually favor them? Yeah. I don't buy that. Yeah, I don't either. The Rays are 13 and 0, and I don't, I'm tired of hearing the like Jason Stark brought up the best point up. Can this. I speak for Vegas on this program? <laughs> Can
1: I speak for the book of uh, the bookmakers at William Hill?
3: Jason, William Hill is the one. That yeah, yeah. The, Jason Stark brought this up. He goes, "We didn't talk. We're not sitting here talking about who did the 1884 St. Louis Maroons play." I mean, seriously, you're trying to tell me William Hill
1: would have the Yankees favorite over the Rays right now if it started today. I just couldn't believe
3: Mad Dog Mitch. No Mets. way. I couldn't believe Mad Dog He goes, you know, Judge and Stanton, Cole and Rodon. I'm like, dude, Rodon hasn't even pitched yet. He's not even pitch till like mid-May. Well, sometimes you wonder,
1: A's fans, baseball fans, people play to their audiences, right? It's the same thing like politics. People in politics play to whatever political party they, they want to be attached to, right? So they play their they, they they play to the you play to your audience. It's not like we do the same thing. We don't sit here and talk Kansas City Royals all day. Like they stink. We're not sitting here talking about the Marlins or the At we talk A's baseball and Major League Baseball. We talk we play to our audience. Well, they know at the MLB Network, and when Mad Dog's on, they're playing to a Yankees Northeast audience. For sure. They're not playing to us. That's why they don't talk about it. I, I, I was kind of. They're playing, and their
3: audience is saying, hey, hey, Ray, hey Rays haven't played anybody. Hey, Jeter. I, 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 I was kind of <laughs> turned my, off.
1: That's my Yankee thing. I was
3: kind of turned off by it when Mad Dog qualified, starting to go, yeah, I don't have the Diamondbacks or the uh, the Pirates in here. They're 8-5. and five. How are they not in there? By the way,
1: raise the Jolly Roger Cannonball coming, and what clear the a, deck. Clear the deck. What is the who hit the home run yesterday? Coming around third and did the imaginary sword. Uh,
3: was it? It wasn't G uh, G Bay. Was uh, by the way, they're
1: loved Bay. Yeah. Where is is he Korean? Yeah, him and G Toy are both Korean. Bay, the Korean center fielder for the Pirates, he's got swag. He's got
3: yep. swagger, and he's filling in now with.
1: Uh, uh, oh no,
3: Cruz hurt. He's going to be the shortstop.
1: He 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 made a diving play last night, and then
3: they're dancing in the outfield. Might have he, been was it Castro, or was no. it jo- Connor Joe? Then I remember. All I know is two guys at home runs. Guy was coming around third and pulled out the the, the sword. Yeah, went, it's, it was probably Castro.
1: These young pirates got some swagger to them.
3: You all told they me they some, were going to
1: stink. They got some swag. It's because McCutcheon's there. And this Korean guy, Bay is diving around, and he's hitting, and he's got swag. He's got the longer hair. The, Put it this way. Pirates are feeling themselves right now. As they should. Yeah, why not? They're 8-5. Let the kids play. Have fun. Well, hey, as you would say, why not us? Uh, you, know, you know who we can't let play? Your guy, Javi Baez. Yeah, we'll have to get that. We got Mark, we got to play Marcana. Javi Baez, folks, look it up. A.J. Hinch benched him. That contract. Oh my God! My you people- talk about you lollygag around the infield. You lollygag. He got benched. You just paid this guy. He claimed he was signing with Detroit for a hundred. I don't
3: know how much. He signed for one. Oh, now I forget. It's like one. 40, I think, something like that.
1: Because he's going to lead the Tigers and show them how to win. And yesterday was benched for lollygagging. Yeah, not good. What does that make you?
3: Uh, not a leader. A lollygagger, Yeah. Bull Durham.
1: Yeah. Uh, earlier today, you know we love us some Mark Canna. Mark Canna is a great guy, terrific Oakland athletic, local guy, grew up in the South Bay, grew up in the neighborhood that I live in. His parents still live there. Everybody in our neighborhood is always asking about Mark when he played, and he's still loved down there and went to Bellarmine Prep, and then, of course, played in college for David Esker, was a Cal Bear with Marcus Simeon, had great success at Cal, loves the Bay Area, Bay Area guy, now playing for the New York Mets, and he's always very kind with his time to stop by and give us a little love on A's Gas Live. Welcome back to ace cast live and one of our favorite things to do is bring on former a's who meant so much while they played here and obviously this guy right here is one of our all-time favorites on ace cast live mark hannah's with us here uh welcome back how are you i'm doing great thanks for having me and I always got to ask with the family how's the kids the young kids how's everything oh, going
5: everything's good man we're um just enjoying life enjoying baseball and and everything that brings and the fun adventures and um yeah just uh having fun with it
1: it's crazy how fast it goes and how fast they grow right yeah
5: yeah yeah it's uh when i was here they were like you know little babies playing with stomper and now they're they're like they feel like they're little adults <laughs> they're only 5 and 3 or 3 years old but they're um they're great they 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 love it so so far this season you guys are what a game
1: over five hundreds early in the season. How do you feel about the club?
5: Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing great. You know, it's we've had some some tough matchups early on and um, it's been been fun competing. It's just a, the first couple of weeks, you know, it's just fun to get back out there and and get back to competing while it counts, you know. So yeah. spring training. So it's um, that's what I look forward to the most at the beginning.
1: And I think about your guys' division. Fun division to play in, right? You know, with the Atlanta Braves, you got with Philly, what they were able to do last year and end up going yeah. to the World Series. And, of course, I mean, here comes the Marlins. They got some young talent. This isn't an easy division.
5: Yeah, it's very competitive. Um, it's kind of like, you know, there's no easy ones, really. Um, even the, the Nationals and the Marlins – Who are, you know, not the favorites to win the division, but they, like you said, they, they have a talented group of guys. So, um, maybe not the big names, but, but guys who, who baseball players know can, can really play.
1: You know, one thing that's coming out really like today is we're getting ready for this weekend of baseball. And this will be what the 15th day of the season is all the new data coming out about the new rules. Mm -hmm. How have the new rules been treated?
5: Um, uh, well, I have one strikeout so far via the pitch clock, so not too bad. Just, <laughs> just, just been punched out once. From How odd clock. was that? Um, It was odd. It, it's odd. There's different, you know, it, it manifests differently in each stadium a little bit. There, it, some places it feels a little quicker. Some places it feels slower. So it's that's something we're learning, too, is as you go to different stadiums, kind of pay attention to, like, how quickly are they starting the clock and that kind of thing? So it's it's a mixed bag so far.
1: And you used to have it to where the at bat was at your pace a little more than just here we go, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. What is that like now? Adjusting, going from your pace to it's the clock's pace. You have to get in. You have to look at the pitcher within eight seconds.
5: Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's different. It's you gotta. It's a huge difference. The game's completely changed, and you have to. Um, adapt or guy.
1: yeah yeah because as so. you said if you don't get in they're calling the strike no matter what
5: yeah yeah so it's it's go time there's a lot less thinking more uh you have to be more reactionary and less uh, thoughtful and just kind of go out there and play on on instinct more than than doing anything like approach wise or mentally while you're while you're up in the box to, to just be faster
1: and i think for someone like yourself as playing in the outfield we always remembered you with the ski mask on and like cold games early in the season in new york late in new york you're going to get cold games what do you think so far about 26 minutes has been knocked off the game how do you feel about much quicker
5: games i think it's good i mean overall the pitch clock there's certainly um things that we're going to be working through as the season goes on and, and we're things that we're going to be having to get used to. But I think it's good for baseball. I, I, you know, nobody likes going to these games with a bunch of pitching changes that take three and a half hours. That was not really fun for anybody, I think. And um, I think it's better. You know, when you think you're, about your guys club, the way it's built to win this year,
1: what is that like going in through and you're doing it for the second straight year where you go through spring training, you're going into a season door, you're a favorite you're expected to win what's that like because mm-hmm. here you're like the little engine that could yeah with the mats it's like you're supposed yeah. to win and you better win
5: yeah it's um it's a privilege honestly it's um you couldn't ask for anything more i mean it, it, it's more pressure and and that pressure is um is welcome that's as athletes as competitors that's um that's what we want, to be the big dog and feel like the big dog. And, and um, it's, you know, this is the big leagues. It, it makes you put your big boy pants on and, and come to the field and, and compete. And, you know, you got to fight for your life.
1: And for all A's fans, they know you're a Bay Area guy. You grew up in the South Bay, went to Bellman Prep, then went to college not too far from here at Cal. And whenever you're here, you got all the family and friends get to watch you. But what does it now mean? You play here every day. What does it now mean to come in as a visiting player, as an established visiting
5: player? Yeah, I did it last year for the first time, and it's it's weird. It's uh, it's a little different, but obviously there's a, a comfortability for me coming here, being here. Um, it's it's comfy, you know. I I know all the quirks and all the bounces of the stadium and and there's um there's a it's it's more fun for me to play here for for example than to go somewhere else on the road
1: all right i'm hearing there's a cookbook is it out is it in the works what do we got going here uh it,
5: well it's not a cookbook uh but yeah it, it will be a food related work uh literary work that um i'm in the process of writing um and it'll be you know it's gonna be a time-consuming process that'll take a while to be done but um i'm yeah i'm working on it i'm trying to uh make this food thing um into something that that i can share with people and and this is one way to to do that
1: where you know where you'll need to go once it's done we will Worth sell the... yeah we'll oh, right yeah. here oh, okay. acecast live
5: i guarantee you
1: We will sell here in the Bay Area. We'll sell
5: a ton of books for it. That would be great. I would love that.
1: And what is New York meant for you personally from a standpoint of or your passion for food, your passion for going out, your passion for entertainment pretty pretty much better than anywhere else you go in the big leagues?
5: Yeah, it's fun. It's New York is never boring. Um, I love it. I love to do so many different things. Like you said, go to Broadway, go to restaurants. Um, really just soak it all in while my time lasts and, um, you know, savor every, every minute of it. And, uh, New York is a special place, just like the Bay area is a special place. And, and that's always been my, my approach to, you know, live life to the fullest where you are and enjoy everything that it has to offer. And that's what I'm doing in New York right now.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, A's fans still root for you and, and, you know, you made a mark here when still in the post game, people call in and we'll talk about you. And I think oh, that yeah. means a lot. It kind of tells you, you know, you came here as a rule five guy, didn't know, and next, you know, you establish yourself as one of the better players in the game. Something you should be very proud of that back in your hometown and back in your home area,
5: people still thinking about you and they're really rooting for you. Thank you, Chris. You're making me blush. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, my time here meant so much to me. And the fact that, uh, if that is true, then, then it means it means a lot to me. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, if you, you, the fans know that I'm a guy that, that works hard every day and, and gives everything I have to this game, and, and uh, it's nice to be appreciated for that.
1: One of our all-time favorites on AceCast, Mark of the Mets, right here on AceCast Live.
3: Well, that's going to do it. That was Mark Hanna with Townie earlier today. Uh, coming up next is going to be Ace Total Access with Johnny Dosko, or with Chris Townsend. Johnny Dosko on play-by-play with Vince Catronio today. You'll hear from Mark Hanna. You'll hear from Mark Kotze, Denny Wexelman, But uh, also the Ace Broadcast Auction today. If you want to learn more about it, athletics.com slash broadcast auction. Presented by NBC Sports California. We want to thank David Feldman, Ace General Manager David Forrest, Kevin Smith, Mark Kotze, and Mark Hanna for stopping by today on Ace Cast Live. Coming up in a few minutes, you'll hear... Vince Catronio with Stephanie Gaywood, the ACE Director, Senior Director of Community Engagement, talking about the broadcast auction, leading into ACE Total Access with Chris Townsend. We'll be back on Monday at 4 o'clock right here on Ace Cast and A's Cast Live.